Verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Especially the words found in verse 16 near the end, he measured the city. He measured the city. So tonight we're coming to the subject of the measurement of the heavenly Jerusalem that came down from God into the new heavens and the new earth. This is an interesting aspect of the vision. I do warn you, however, that as we look at it, we not only put on our theological cap, we have to don our mathematical hat as well. Because there are a lot of figures here, and there's a lot to see, and we have to use our imagination. So we're going to take a bit of a trip tonight, and our imagination is going to have to help us as we try to catch some comprehension of these measurements which the Holy Spirit has conveyed unto us in the Holy Scripture. Now the angel that showed to John the city and who talked with him is carrying something in his hand. You're told there in verse 15 he had a golden reed to measure the city. Now a reed is a rod. There are various kinds of reeds that grow in damp places and in other places in the Middle East. Some are stronger than others. There's cane-like reeds. There are reeds that are softer, more grass-like reeds. And these reeds are very useful for the use of man. They have been used to make paper. They have been used to make pens. They have a tendency to grow long. And they're fairly strong, some of the canes. And also they're very light. And because of this, they can act as long measuring rods. Rulers. And that's what they were used for in Bible times, in measuring buildings. This vision here, where this angel has a measuring rod. Now we don't know the length of it. And we reckon that was certainly over nine feet, and perhaps up on ten and a half feet. So a ten and a half foot rod. But we are given some of the measurements of the city as recorded and revealed by this angel. And those measurements are simply colossal. They're hard to imagine, as we shall see. But the thing that stands out about this read that the angel used is, is that it was made of gold. It was a golden reed. Even the reed to measure the city is glorious. 
I don't suppose Babylon had golden reeds to measure their city that hardly give to the workmen golden reeds. But you see in heaven, everything's glorious. Everything's made of gold. And this measuring reed just in itself just shows the importance of the city and the dignity with which it has been endowed. It's nothing human here. Not even the measuring rod is human. It's not a man measuring it. It's an angel measuring it. And he's measuring it with a heavenly reed. So that we know beyond the shadow of a doubt. This is not a man made city. It has nothing to do with man. If man was measuring it. Man would have some kind of claim on it. Some kind of interest in it. But it's done by an angel. Because it's been made by God. Heaven lays claim to this city. And and that fits in with the vision as we know because it came down from God out of heaven. Now three things are marked out for measurement by this angel with his rod. Verse 15, to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. We're just going to confine ourselves to the city. And in verse 16 we read our text. The city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. Twelve thousand furlongs. So this is done to show the unique design of the city not only its magnitude but its unique design and we'll come to that but what we're saying these buildings and this city isn't haphazard it hasn't evolved or grew up in time and all our cities are strange streets and they're lopsided and there's You know, you just can't build a city like this now because our cities evolve over hundreds of years. And so this city, there's nothing random here, nothing by chance. The measurements aren't odd. The measurements are square. Perfectly square. Showing perfect design. Perfect precision building, even of something so grand. So the measurements are giving to us an idea of absolute perfection, such as no city on earth has had, and which city builders are trying to find. But there's nothing like unto the city of God. Nothing is out of line Nothing is crooked. One side is not shorter than the other side. It is such perfection as only God himself can produce. As the Bible says, God is a rock and his work is perfect. And here it is. And I think perhaps John, after seeing this vision, He's maybe thinking of Genesis 1 and the first creation 
And maybe the words are coming into his mind even as they're said in Genesis. Behold, it was very good. And so it is. Perfect. Perfect new Jerusalem. Now the church on earth, this is the completion of the church. But the church on earth is in the process of building. And whenever we look at it, we don't see much perfection. We see chaos. We see a builder's yard. Have you ever seen a builder's yard? It's chaos. We don't see the finished piece. And no matter when it takes shape and it's getting there, we can begin to appreciate it, but still a builder's yard. It still has imperfections to our view. But we are assured with the eye of faith as we look through the lens of Revelation chapter 21 that the finished product has nothing chaotic about it. Nothing imperfect about it. The bride of Christ will be presented perfect and faultless and spotless in that day as he is here depicted. So the church is complete. It comes down from heaven into the new, absolutely perfect, not having any shortfalls, no crookedness, no lopsidedness as a city or a building or any structures therein. So the angel is showing to John the architectural perfection to the finest measurements. And what does the Bible say? We are God's building. And we are going to be perfect one day as the body and bride of Christ. Now you remember the rain came to my mind when I was preparing this sermon. I assume it's a rain. There was a crooked man who lived in a crooked house and a whole lot of other crooked things associated with him. (laughs) That's not God. That's not God. He is perfectly upright. No crookedness in his city, the new Jerusalem. So he dwells in glory. He dwells in the city in glory with his people in this wonderful perfection. Now the careful measurement of the city reveals its Wonder, And that's what we want to try to picture tonight. It's wonder. Because the the measurements reveal something remarkable. Something that is not true of any earthly city. And there's been plenty of city building going on. You remember the early city builders, particularly Babel. They wanted to build Babel. We'll mention that again perhaps if we have time. But this is unlike anything ever built on earth. The city lath four square, perfectly four square. The length is as large as the breadth. He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Now, it's four square around, perfectly square, and it has the same length as the breadth, and it's not a readout. 12,000 furlongs length, 12,000 furlongs breadth, not a readout. Now, that, that's how detailed the measurement is with the reed. 
12,000 furlongs. Now, we're in vision here, and in vision, presumably, things happen very fast. Now, if we were to measure this city, which is 12,000 furlongs long and broad, now, 12,000, of course, is a multiple of 12 times 1,000. Very important numbers. The 12 is particularly important in this city. You have the gates, the, the size of the walls, divisible by 12, the, the lengths of the walls, the height, the size of the city, all divisible by 12. So it's a very important number. Uh, and the 1,000 shows, again, the, uh, not just the dimensions of it, but the perfection, the absolute perfection of it, unlike anything on earth is perfect, nothing beyond it, nothing better than it could ever be, be built. Now what is a furlong, you ask? Now this is where we're beginning to have our mind boggled. Now I understand that a furlong is about uh, 660 feet. Now the word stadium is the Greek word that is used, and that's the measurement of, of the, uh, the city here. Well, you could imagine a stadium. For the, the course in the Olympic Games, it's a large stadium. The Romans had their stadium. The chariot racing, it's a large course. So you're talking about a, an immense size here. A furlong, just one furlong. The size of a Greek racing course or a Roman stadium for chariot racing. And you have 12,000 of them. And working all of this out, as I said, I use my calculator today as much as my concordance. I'm working all of this out. It's about 1,500 miles or 2,400 kilometers. Now, can you imagine a city that size? 1,500 miles. Now, a man with a, with a, a reed carefully measuring that would take a considerable long time, a very, very long time, if it was us, some of us might do it quicker than others. <laughs> but saying we had some perfection and we didn't have to sleep and we didn't have to take time to eat meals and we could go at a fairly decent pace, keep it up for 24 hours a day, I reckon it would take us over 20 days to measure one side. Or 80 days, non-stop, to measure the four sides just to make it sure it's four square, as this angel evidently did. Well, that's a long time for John to have to watch the vision, but it all happens very fast when we know that um, it's an accurate measurement. It's just a vision. So this is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles square at its base. It's massive. There is room here and space beyond imagination. Many mansions, the Lord says, my father's house, many mansions I go to prepare a place for you. Plenty of room. Now, to give you an idea of the, the dimensions here, Guildford to Belfast, as the bird flies, is 23 miles. Guildford to London is 327 miles. Guildford to Berlin is 816 miles. And Guildford to Moscow is 1,700 miles. So it just wouldn't reach Moscow, but it would reach Russia. Well, well into Russia. So we're talking about an area uh, coming, stretching from here to Russia in the east and going south away down into the uh, North African continent. That's a massive amount of space. And it's a city. 
This isn't a continent. This, this is a city community. And we're talking about a city the size of the moon. So we're being given here the image of unspeakable splendor. But that is not all. It is not just four square at the base. The length of it is the same, yes, and also the height. The height is 1,200 furlongs. Do you see what the text says there at the end? The length, the breadth, and the height of it are equal. So this is a perfect cube. It's not just a square at the base and, you know, 30 or 40 feet high. This is a cube, and the city is 1,500 miles high as well. A cube. Imagine that. This is massive. So good job he's an angel. Because he has to measure the height of it too. 1,500 miles. And I assume that on all four sides it has to be done just to make sure it is a perfect cube. And indeed that the length and breadth and the height of it are all the same. Now we assume that the angel has done that and given John the results. It's only a vision. But we're given something here, we're being told something of its colossal size. So, so to do these measurements right, on all 12 sides, each side 1,500 miles, we're talking about 18,000 miles. So I got my calculator out again and did a wee bit of more calculating and some more imagination. And imagining myself going off on this trip, this road trip, I need a lot of time off work to do this. But if we go off here to do this and without sleep and time to rest and walking seven days a week, it would take over eight months to traverse this city. And of course, realistically speaking, in our present life, you're talking about a couple of years to measure something of this dimension. With a measuring rate. I mean, you don't just you shoot your, your wee laser and measure 1,500 miles. He has a measuring rate here. This is laborious work. But it has to be measured to the finest detail. God is confined to us here the image of a lot of space. A lot of space. In fact, 2,400 kilometers times 2,400 kilometers times 2,400 kilometers to get the cubic space of this cube, we're talking about nearly 14 billion cubic kilometers. That's a lot of space. Now last year our world's population reached 8 billion. It's rising rapidly. Our population has never been so great. Perhaps in our world there have lived 100 billion people on this planet. Now if my calculations are right, 100 billion people could easily fit in this space. Easily. There is quite a bit of space into which you could get many, many houses for the space that one person out of many billions of people in here would have. In fact, the dimensions are staggering. I understand that, trying to figure this all out, that you could spread 8 billion people, the present population of the world, into this space in such a way that one person could barely see another person. 
that they were spaced out evenly. And of course this is all buildings and occupied and streets and streets of gold and all this and that and the other. And conceivably you could be so spaced out that you could walk around for a couple of hours before you'd meet anybody. Eight billion people in that space and you could hardly meet anybody. This is colossal. This is what God is conveying to us. How big is heaven? How many people are going to go to heaven? How massive is this? It's a large city. And why is it so large? Because there are many that will be saved. That's why. Many multitudes. Multitudes that no man can number. Multitudes to enjoy God and the Lamb. Multitudes but no crowding. No lack of liberty and freedom. No feeling like a sardine in a tin. Freedom, comfort, joy, space, perfection. Undisturbed tranquility and communion with the saints and with God. In the largeness of the life of the glory of God. This is what this is about. So you see why we've had to halt here at the measurements. Because this has been magnetic as it draws us in. Now you can compare this to the pit. That's what hell is, a pit. It's not given measurements like this. Hell is a pit. Bottomless, I grant it. But still a pit. Nothing like this city. Gehenna is a lake. A lake, a mere lake of fire. The outer darkness. Awful, terrible, multitudes in it. But surely its dimensions are not comparable to this city. This city is a city fitting to the glory of God with his innumerable host of saints. Now the damned are more confined, less space, no light, no glory in the outskirts of darkness, probably more packed like sardines in a tin. But into the imagery of Gehenna, the Bible does not go, except to say that it is unspeakably painful and it is characterized by Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now as to comparable numbers, the Bible is silent. But I think that Christ will have preeminence even in this regard. The glory of the king is in the multitudes of his people. And we know that the Lord will have multitudes of people. Brethren and sisters, the number of the saved is to be colossal. Now if we look at our world here. And the impression that we see around us presently. We maybe say few are saved. And few are saved. Certain generations and other generations. But I say to you today is just our day. Tomorrow may be a different day. Church history is not over yet. And the narrative of revival is, has not ended yet. And the Spirit of God has not ceased his work yet. 
And Christ has not finished drawing the nations to him yet. And we don't know how long it is until he comes. He has tied 2,000 years. And contrary to what people are saying and proclaiming today, he may well tie to another 2,000 years for all we know. We do not know. We have many promises in Scripture of great things that do not yet seem to have been fulfilled. All nations shall come and worship before thee, the Bible says. In thee and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now the nations have been blessed, but perhaps there's something even greater than we can conceive. I do not know. And then also, we are hopeful that among the infants that have died, there are many elect. That all dying in infancy are elect is a question of debate amongst the Reformed. Not all Christians are prepared to say all infants dying thus are elect, but certainly all are agreed that many are elect. And I think we have cause to hope that they are even the majority, if not all. Now when I look at a city like this, I, I can be sure that the days of Christ drawing men to himself have not ceased yet. And there is an innumerable host that will worship God. We're encouraged to think that. Fullness of Jews and fullness of Gentiles. In fact, later on in this chapter, verse 24, we looked at it. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. So we're not talking about a little handful here, in here, that are saved. We're talking about nations that are saved. Nations. So we have nations. I did explain that term and what it meant, I think, the last, the last time whenever we looked at that. But I think you have to be impressed with the size of this city and the encouragement that is to evangelism. What did the Lord say in the parable when he sent them out? Call them in. Call them in. And yet there is room. Yet there's room. Here it is. There's room yet for sinners. And so let us be encouraged as we preach the gospel. Christ hasn't finished drawing men onto himself. Days of power, days of blessing, days of conversion. There's no reason why we can't believe it may be so. And there's no reason why we can't pray that it may be so. That God's house may be filled. But the uniqueness of this city is that it is a perfect tube. Let's come back to this again. Because there's something more here than just space and dimensions. A perfect cube. That's interesting. You know, there are many things in the Bible that we are giving the measurements for. Many things. But there are few perfect cubes in the Bible. The Ark of the Covenant isn't a perfect cube. The altar of Raising the altar and this and that and the other isn't a perfect cube. And any other measurements we're given are not perfect cubes. And yet here's a perfect cube 
1,500 miles up to the heavens. Imagine that. That's impossible today. You know, Babel, they wanted to do something like that. You know, we want to build a big city. We can be together. We want to reach, build it up high so it's top. It's top will reach to heaven. They failed. God didn't let them do it. You're not doing that, God said. I'm doing that. I'm building the city whose top reaches up to heaven. And here it is. 1,500 miles. Now, how high is space? Well, I, I did a wee bit of research about the definition of space, where the borderline of space is with the atmosphere of the earth. Most sad to say, there, there's an imaginary boundary around the earth here where air becomes absent. And nothing conventional can fly in it. Or no bird can go to it. It's space. How high is that up? 62 miles. 62 miles. This is reaching 1,500 miles into space. It's colossal. Even our orbiting satellites do not usually go to that height. 500 miles is fairly high for, for most human satellites. And this is three times beyond that. And so do you see why, and again, it's only a vision. Now, we have to be careful here how we literalize these things. But there's certainly been an impression given to us. Do you see how 8 billion people could easily fit in there? And more? It's not just the size, though. It's a perfect cube. That's the thing. What does that mean? What does that represent? Is there anything in the Bible that is a perfect cube? Yes, there is something else that is a perfect cube. And it occurs three times in the tabernacle, in the temple, and in the vision of Ezekiel's temple, in the last chapters of Ezekiel. And it's the most holy place. The most holy place is the only perfect cube in the Bible. And you read about that. It was in the westernmost end of the temple building. And in the tabernacle, it measured 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. And in the temple, it measured 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. And in Ezekiel's vision, I think I didn't check it up, but I understand it to be the same as, as that 20 cubits cubic. So this is the Holy of Holies. And you know what the Holy of Holies is all about? The Holy of Holies is God alone. Just, just God alone. In all his glory, in that, in that dark place. And a great veil, nobody could go in. Only the priest once a year. God in his glory, dwelling on his own in the cube. But now the cube comes down. And the glory of God inside it, in filling it, and this cube comes into the new heavens and the new earth and it is saturated with the bride of Christ, with the people of God. It's God with men. Not just men going to dwell with God, but God coming into the new heavens and the new earth to dwell with men. I mean, that's, that's what the Holy of Holies is all about. That's a prophecy of what God is going to do. He's going to dwell 
among his people. First of all, he does it in Jesus Christ, in the incarnation and the death where he brings us to God. But he is going to come with us into the new heavens and the new earth in this perfect communion, this union of God in Jesus Christ with mankind, redeemed humanity. It's wonderful. And so this fits in with the description. There's no temple there. Why would you need a temple? This, this is the Holy of Holies and God and all His glory is with His people. There's no temple there. The, the, the Lord is the temple and the Lamb is the light thereof. And all the nations are basking in it. In the Holy of Holies. That has now reached into the new cosmos. So, so this, this is what God has always planned. From the beginning. From the day he came to walk among man, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. He's always planned that. But the Garden of Eden wasn't it. That wasn't the finality of it. There was something far more than that. It's taken thousands of years to come to the fruition. But this is it. Fulfilled. It's a wonderful vision. And so eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. But we, we get a wee glimpse of it here. What God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, how blessed and privileged that people are to belong to Jesus Christ. Why does the Bible say, blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Blessed are the people. This is their end, you see. This greatness and the glory. This basking in the light. This spacious home of mansions innumerable and pleasures beyond our wildest imagination. Pure and holy and no trace of sin in any of it. Forever with the Lord and the Lord forever with his people in one everlasting, eternal, holy of holies forevermore. This is the end.